This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. Less than a month and a half until the Frogs kick off against Southern at home, 11 o'clock. Hopefully it's not as hot in DFW as it was today on September 1st. I got Daniel and I got Jeremy with me, and we are going to talk a little TCU football. Fellas, how are you doing this evening? Are you staying cool down there in DFW? No. Nope. I'll just jump to it. One of the questions that we got on the board was, is it true that your air conditioner can only uh, make the house 20 degrees cooler than what it is outside? Is it a, is it a, is it 90 degrees in your house, Jeremy? I've got it. I've got mine set on 74 because I don't want the thing to run all day, but it still runs all day. When I go to sleep at night, I'll set it down to about 71 and it feels pretty good. But man, when you come in from 108 and you come into a 74 degree house it feels like you're walking into 60 it's just so much difference the heat is just i, I man i i can't explain it i've never i've never felt it like this before it's crazy it probably has to be the hottest summer i remember at least these last couple of days i mean it's been hitting over here at least it's been 111 so <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was it was 82 this afternoon when I was walking around the yard in Chicago. So I will I will complain ad nauseum. That's, that's the low at five in the morning here. You know what? You know what's funny? <laughs> Last week I was at the the Prime 21 camp, and uh, they were talking about how hot it was, and I, I, this lady from Chicago was talking about how hot it was, and I said, "Now listen." <laughs> This this is very hot, right? She goes, yeah. And I said, I, I, you don't see me making fun of you, right? And she goes, no, no, it, it's hot. And so I said, now, when we start spinning out and doing 360s, when there's a little bit of ice or sleet on the road, you guys up north can't make fun of us because this is the norm for us down here. And when you guys get 85 up there, y'all all freak out. So you, when it gets cold down here, don't I don't want to hear you guys from the north making fun of us because we can't drive right in Texas. If if you used winter uh, uh, precipitation in Texas and you, you brought that standard to Chicago, my son would, never would have graduated because he never would have gone to school. <laughs> so they just canceled. All of January would be canceled. But, hey, it is a hot one. Hopefully it won't be this hot when uh, when football gets going. But it will be hot next week, when uh, week and a half here, when the Frogs get going with practice. We just got came off the week of media days. SEC had theirs, ACC had theirs, Big Ten starts tomorrow. But, Jeremy, you were out there at the Star in Frisco for Monday. Uh, Gary Patterson kicked things off with the very first coach's interview on the stage, and you guys got some uh, high access and availability with some players as well as with coach in the afternoon. Give us a little bit of a Big 12 uh, media day recap, and I'm going to hit you with a couple quick questions. What's your number one takeaway from Big 12 media days? Well, I think the, the biggest thing that, everyone kind of took away from that from from Gary's perspective is number one he loves the red shirt rule he hates the transfer rule and uh he doesn't care about our rankings or anyone's rankings except his uh, his own and I thought that was pretty cool because he he got the question in the in the big forum it you know when they had the breakout session it's it's kind of a little bit more personable and in the in the in the big forum in the at the big press conference you you have this gigantic uh panel uh, of reporters that are asking Gary uh, questions. And uh, I forget who it was that asked him. And he, he asked him the question about rankings and he was trying to be more complimentary of the job that 
Coach P has done, taking those lower-ranked kids and, and, and getting the results they're getting on the field despite those lower-ranked kids. And, man, he just went into a – I don't care about rank, y'all's rankings, this and this. And then he went into a, a pretty detailed um, explanation of why he recruits the way he does. And uh, it, that was pretty much when they had the breakout session that reporters kept asking that, that same question. And he was kind of getting perturbed a little bit afterwards. And, and he admitted that he does – uh, keep keep up to date with uh, the recruiting rankings, but he's also the guy that just because a four a kid is rated as a four star by some services, it doesn't mean anything. And just because a kid's rated as a one or two star, he may like the kid and think of him as a five star, just like he mentioned O'Shawn Mathis the other day. But it was another great Big Twelve Media Days. I thought the players that were up there for TCU represented really well. Um, Jalen and and Shaywo and Ben. And uh, Ty, they were all great. But I was really impressed with Sean, man. I, I admit he's young sophomore. I knew he's going to carry himself well because that's the way, just the way Sean is. He, he's always done a very good job of carrying himself and, and just representing himself uh, very well ever since I've known him since he was in ninth grade. So I, I think it was a great thing for Coach Patterson to uh, allow him to come up there and, and be in that setting and, and get a chance for him to answer some pretty hard questions and be in front of the, uh, the whole media. It was funny because when they have the breakout session, and if you're, if you're wondering right now, what the heck is a breakout session? It's basically each, each person that's representing their school. Gary Patterson has his own table. Ty Summers has his own table and so on. So, so on. When they had the breakout session, it started at two 30. Gary had no TV cameras at his table. Nothing for Ben, nothing for Jalen, nothing for Shaywo, nothing for Ty. They were all at Sean's table. So what's that tell you? I mean, everyone wanted to talk to the new guy. And I could ramble about Big 12 media days all day long. But, man, it, it's, it, it was pretty cool. And I thought each TCU player represented themselves really well. You know, that's, that's good to hear about Sean Robinson because obviously what he does on the field matters. But with quarterback, who you are off the field and how you handle yourself with the media and the locker room and, and kind of developing into that role that you have to, you have to grow up in to, to be a quarterback in the Big 12. I'm glad to see Sean got that platform. I think that was a very, very shrewd move by Coach Patterson. Uh, let, let's just kind of pop this question out there from what you saw, Jeremy, and then anything you want to throw in on this, Daniel. How confident are you in Sean Robinson being able to, to fill that role of quarterback that obviously is, is more than the X's and O's and being able to, to call an audible? Obviously important. Right. But being a quarterback and being a leader, what are the two of you guys see in Sean Robinson that excites you? The one thing I see in Sean that I've always seen is just how calm he is. He doesn't let the mistakes rattle him. And that's what you needed in a quarterback. And, and even at Texas Tech, he didn't have a great day throwing the football. He's throwing in 40 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts. And so he didn't have a really good day throwing the football, but he ran the ball well. But the thing that the player said after the game was he was really calm in the huddle. He didn't get overly excited, didn't get nervous. He didn't force things. And it's, it's more than X's and O's as a quarterback. If you can have a guy that is – cool calm and collected like like he is just like he was i did a story the other day on how well he performed in front of the big stage of the media coming coming at him and and even getting questions about omar manning where he just kind of it was funny just the, just just the look on his face when he got those kind of questions because he already knew how to answer those things but I, I think that's the best thing going forward for sean and and really you can say that about all three quarterbacks on that and really all four quarterbacks 
from from Sean to Michael to Grayson and and to Justin and and uh, even Sean said it the other day that Justin, even though he's 18, carries himself much more mature uh, than what your typical 18 year old carries themselves. And so it, just knowing all four of those guys, this quarterback depth chart is just crazy good right now. Daniel, you, how do you feel about Sean Robinson, what you've seen off the field and how it's going to lead to on the field? Anything you want to throw in? Not really. I mean, uh, it's about uh, about pretty much what I was going to say. Um, you know, going into that, that tech game with, what, a week to prepare, I know, you, you know, he's off, he's always practicing, but he's never anticipating having to start. You know, Kenny Hill goes down, he's got to come up and start, you know, in Lubbock which is not easy and does a great job. I mean, he could have probably done better had the wind not been so crazy. You know, I don't know anyone who can throw that well with that kind of wind, but um, he's, he's just, you know, he's a superstar and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, I was thinking about this the other day. It kind of stinks that, you know, all this hoopla with Justin Rogers has ever since he, that whole thing came up, it kind of overshadowed everything. Sean Robinson, um, was going to be, but now that we're finally here to the point where Sean's going to play, um, it, it's coming, you know, the, the attention's coming back to him, and I think it's deservedly so. Yeah, I think in some ways signing Justin Rogers, who's who's clearly going to be an, an outstanding quarterback at TCU, has taken a little bit of the pressure off of Robinson. Clearly it ran back up in Frisco last week, but I I think he's had a good offseason. We didn't hear anything, which is exactly what we want to hear. And so I'm really curious to see what he's going to be able to do because what he is off the field is, is going to be a contributor to what he is on the field, and I'm excited about Robinson. There was an awkward moment with uh, everyone's favorite coach down in Austin, Tom Herman. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American State- Statesman asked him a question and basically said, how many elite players do you have? And I think it was a six-second delay where Herman just kind of stared out into space and basically replied, not enough, or, or we're getting there, or uh, not quite exactly what we need. And that that was essentially his headline in a nutshell of uh, – that they just don't have the players that they think they do. And the funny thing is, Charlie Strong recruited well. Charlie Strong generated a lot of talent on campus. He was able to attract a lot of cam- uh, talent on campus. How awkward was it, Jeremy? Uh, did you get to see that clip? How awkward was it for Tom Herman to basically acknowledge from the podium, hey, I don't have enough talent to be competitive? I, I wasn't there on Tuesday, so I didn't get to see it firsthand, but I saw the clip and I thought it was pretty funny because it was actually a, a, kind of another question that is – uh, a, a pretty good question from Kirk, to be honest with you. And, and just the way Tom answered, it was just kind of funny. Um, you could tell he didn't want to say too much about the program or the guys that he expects to stand out, but it just, just the response was pretty funny. And I think the, the people that, like, you know, the orange blood fans that the, the ones that live and die by Texas probably love that response because they're probably thinking, oh, our coach doesn't have to tell the media anything. That's right. Damn Tom Herman. He's awesome. So I, I bet the fa- I bet the fans dug that stuff and 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 probably loved the fact that he reacted to Kirk's question that way. Some, some. That's what it was. Some, some. After about ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Some. We know. We know. We know now, a coach you, that had a pretty good one-line answer one time. I know. Last, I was last getting year ready to, in, to pull last that year up in Oklahoma. Here. Speed, baby. No, it wasn't that one. <laughs> we can't. We what can't repeat it? it. 
Yeah, y'all. That's apparently, true. y'all never heard the the halftime uh, the halftime questioning from Landry when uh, the frogs were up in Norman last last year, and uh, Landry asked Coach, Coach, can you assess the first half? And uh, Coach P just said one word, and I can't repeat it on here, but I think everyone can. I think everyone can kind of use their imagination. Let's just say it rhymes. In. Let's just say what? it rhymes with pity. <laughs> pity. It's, I was going to say pretty. It rhymes with pretty. That's a. Uh, now, 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 Jeremy. If I understand right, you got a shout out from Coach Patterson, where he was at the breakout session, getting grilled by some of the uh, recruiting reporters, guys that cover recruiting, about you know his comments about I'd rather have a two star and a five star and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I lo- I love how he plays that because of course we want. Ross Blacklock and Jalen Brager and, and Sean Robinson. But is it true that uh, Coach Patterson said, ah, if Jeremy brings me a guy, I want to hire, I want to sign him right away. I don't have quite the information you do. That's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? Is, is that, I have a terrible uh, impersonation voice oh, of Coach man. Patterson. First of all, I'm not hoarse. Yeah, you gotta, but is it true that you got a shout-out from Coach Patterson that if Jeremy evaluates a guy well, I, wanna, I really want to look well, at it him? Well, it was, it was long lines. Yes, he, he did mention me by name. He was talking about, you know, that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't completely not follow recruiting rankings and that he, he trusts some of the people out there that do it. You know, he's, he's not he's, – he wasn't just totally just – dismantling every recruiting service out there and calling us knuckleheads. But he did say he listens and he, he has some guys that if someone brings him a player that they've been around the program long enough, they know what kind of player I recruit. And so he was mentioning that. And then about 30 seconds later, he says, if Jeremy Clark tells me about this guy, I'm going to listen to him, blah, blah, blah. So it was pretty funny. I at the same time, I was kind of just, I was standing, I think he might've said that cause I, I was standing about, five or six feet from him and probably saw me there and probably just, that's just how he is. Oh, he probably just wanted to, you know, give me some props in front of all these guys around me. But it was funny because uh, after all the stuff happened, I went back to my computer was working and I had like two reporters come up to me and say, man, I've never heard a head, a head coach ever mention a guy by name like that in front of a, a whole table full of media surrounding him. It's, he said that was pretty cool. We're in the presence of greatness no, here, Daniel. I wouldn't go that far. That's right. Okay, you're right. I retract <laughs> that. We're in the presence of uh, of of the most plugged in recruiting expert in Azel. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. That's not very hard. <laughs> Any, anything? No, it's not. Uh, anything else from Big Twelve Media Days before we move on? Well. I did like uh, Holgo had a line that uh, there was there's some poor writer from K-State that asked a question to every coach about tell us about what you think of Bill Snyder. And Holgo got that question. He said, uh, I won't be coaching when I'm 79. I hope to, I don't even know if I'll still be here when I'm 79. And that's that's Holgo on full tilt. I, I respect that answer because I'm going to go out on a ledge and say Dana Holgerson will not be coaching with that calm demeanor, demeanor that Bill Snyder has on the sideline when he's 79. And he will not be coaching at West Virginia when he's 79. I got a kick out of that one. You, you know, when Bill Snyder gets to talk, I, Fair. you know, he's he's like your grandpa when you go and visit him and they just talk and you're on the front porch having a good time. I'm convinced that Bill Snyder can can stay on the front porch and have a conversation as a tornado's 
completely destroying the house around him. I mean, that's just how he is. He can he can have that conversation. He's going to keep talking. He's it, that's you know you know who that is. That's me because I ramble on with my answers. That's how I'm going to be when I'm 79 years old or however old he is right now. Well, the next time they get those storm warnings out in Palapinto, you better buckle up because I want to see Palo you out Pinto. on the front porch as the I'm in the, the cut tornado the capital of the world. It, I'm in I, Parker County, man. I was going to say. Oh, I know. I just remember when I lived there, the you, you always started to get nervous because the storms were always first. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. County. Yeah, like, you're right. Oh, buckle up. Here it comes. I got exactly. about an hour. <laughs> if Pete Delkis has his sleeves rolled uh, up down well, here, you better get uh, pretty uh, prepared because something's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, for those of you not pl- plugged into DFW weather, let's let's move on. You broke the story Sunday night, Jeremy, that Omar Manning is uh, mm-hmm. leaving TCU and going to go out to East Texas to attend a junior college. Just real quick, fill us in a little bit about the backstory, what his plan is, and what your sources <clears throat> have told us of what his future might hold. Well, this is this is one of those things that was ongoing um, since the beginning of summer, and uh, it. It was one of those uh, deals where they were they were trying to see if he was going to be able to become eligible. He just had some major academic issues, and, and from what I understand, is it wasn't uh, really anything to do with him not understanding. It was more of him not just really wanting to do school. They have those counselors in place to where if you're struggling in a class, they're going to help get you through it. If you go to class, you're going to pass. I mean, that's that's the thing, and and there were situations where he just didn't go to class and he got too far behind. And once he finally realized, Hey, I might not be able to play at TCU next year. He really got himself in gear and, and really hit the summer hard. And they were thinking maybe there's a chance. And then probably about, about the time when I made the post about there's going to be two players off the roster um, that, that won't be playing in 2018 that's when I knew for sure that he wasn't going to be coming back because there was just no way in the second summer session that he was going to be able to get the grades he needed to come back to TCU for the fall semester. Now there is a slight chance he can be back in December and that's the plan. That's the plan. They want him to come back uh, from, from every indication I've received. He wants to come back. He knows this was more on him than, than anyone else, which of course it was. This doesn't have, I've, I've seen posts out there that, uh, the, the TCU guidance counselor should hold some of this blame. You can't – have you ever heard that saying you can lead a horse to water, or but you can't make them drink it? You know, that's that's what it is. I mean, you, you can tell the kids to go to class, and you can hold them accountable. They are holding them accountable now because he can't play football at TCU now. Now he's got to go to the JUCO ranks, which we've all seen if you watched Last Chance U. What that looks like uh, when you have to go, especially from a D1 school um, to a junior college. But – the plan is for now that it, for him to get back in December, I've seen some stuff that he's already talking to A&M or Texas and all this. None of that's happened. Uh, he's, he's right now planning on going down to Kilgore and that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's a school that really treats TCU. Well, if TCU tells them that we're, we're bringing him down here, let him play, but we don't want any coaches coming in after him. He needs to understand he's coming back to us. They're going to help they're going to help do that. I mean, that's, they, they've always treated the TCU really well. Um, Iowa Western's another program that he was looking at and I don't really know what happened there. Uh, that was initially the, the school he was going to attend. Um, but there was something that he didn't get done in time to where he couldn't, he couldn't go up there. So 
uh, right now he's he's headed to Kilgore, and I'm sure he's going to put up some big numbers. And uh, another thing, other than the class, he was he was kind of hurt uh, a lot with his hamstrings, so he was kind of in and out of practice. Obviously, didn't practice this spring, and so I think I think a lot of it has to just deal with uh, Omar just kind of finding himself. He needs to find himself as a student and, and kind of find himself as an athlete and put those two together and, and become a student athlete. And that's how those guys are, are successful at TCU. Once they understand that, that they're student athletes, then they go on to have pretty successful careers, but that's what he's got to learn right now. Well, we hope the best for Omar. He was one of my favorite recruits TCU ever signed. That was a big recruiting battle to be able to beat out uh, Texas and Oklahoma to secure his services. And yeah, you, you, you kind of reap what you sow. And if you don't go to class, you're, you're not going to pass. It's, it's really that simple. And he's got, you talk about going night and day, you go from a, a country club campus that backs up against colonial to Kilgore uh, junior college. That's uh that's going to be a little culture shock. I bet he's going to be yeah. longing for the blue and, for sure. uh, and for sorority row once he gets out to Kilgore. So hopefully everything works out for Omar and that he can uh, get back on the field, but more importantly, get everything sorted out academically. So you mentioned last chance you, have any of you guys been able to watch any of those episodes yet on Netflix from the, the new college, the new, the new school they're documenting up in, in Kansas independence no. community college. I've watched every single one of them already. Oh my gosh, I, dude! You're I plowing been, through I, it. I benched it, and I even watched the oh. uh, I even watched the uh, the one that they did. Uh, you know, going back to see where the the people from season one or two and two are now, because I wanted yeah. I wanted to see that. But yeah, this uh, wow. I'm telling you right now, everyone gave Buddy Stevens a bad name. Like, oh my gosh, how how can this guy coach that, that Jason Brown man? I'm telling you that Ooh. that dude is a character. I mean. Oof, do not Man. let do not let your kids watch that show if they are under fifteen. Is, I mean, seriously, if they're under is, fifteen. Mm-mm. Man, he's he's making Marines blush on hit boot camp. I, I I've I've watched episode one this afternoon, and my wife is going to be out of town all week, so I'm just going to binge watch it the the rest of this week in the evening. So I'm hoping to get that done. But if you haven't watched Last Chance You and you're itching for football. I hope that you will uh, take a chance to watch that. It's on Netflix. You know, one of the questions that we got from a, a longtime listener, Colin Burns, good guy on Twitter, good TCU fan. He said, is this the worst time for sports all year? Because it's just, it's just baseball. And I think that's wise that they dropped uh, last chance you right now. Cause you know, we got media days. Yeah. Everybody's kind of itching for football. I think it's the worst, especially for Rangers fan. I think this has got to be the worst time of the year for sports fans. Oh man. I mean, I, I'm not knocking baseball cause I, I like watching my son play it, but I've, I've just never been a really big baseball fan. And I sure as heck ain't a baseball fan when it's still a hundred degrees outside at eight 30 at night. Uh, you know, that's the big reason why they're building that brand new stadium over there in Arlington, because they got smart enough and realized you can't play baseball and expect to draw fans when it's a hundred and freaking five outside, uh, during the summer in, in July. So especially when your team's not that good, um, smart. Did, did you see the pictures at first pitch today? No. I think it was from today or maybe it was from yesterday. Yeah. It looked like uh, a TCU game late in 1997 when we were in the whack and you know had no wins. It was, it was just flat empty. And I can't. I mean, all I could think was, who's paying money to go do yeah. this? What you, kind of you, fool you, is paying money to go sit in 109 degree you, weather you, to watch the Rangers right now? Hey, did you? Uh, you said you watched the first episode of Last Chance. Yeah. Yes. So what do you think? What do yes. you think of the cow scene? 
What do you th- What do you think of when the that cow starts <laughs> out there? <laughs> and then the, I love that the, the the coach is from Southern is from South he's Central. From Compton, like he said, man. I, you know, he's from Compton. He's from Compton. Yeah. And, and so he sees a guy run out on the field with a gun, and I'm like, is this a scene from from when he was coaching in Compton? Because it was no, it's just a farmer with a tranquilizer bull or with a tranquilizer rifle chasing down a cow through the middle of his practice field. <laughs> all I could think about too is that that scene from Napoleon Dynamite when when all the kids are on the bus and that old man's got the gun and the cow goes up and starts you know putting his nose on the gun and then you hear loud bang. <laughs> But what was what was funny is when the cow starts acting like he's running away from the dude and he's running toward the players. The players just scatter like ants, man. They they don't want any business to do with that cow. It is so funny, man. But yeah, that I I think I've been more entertained with with I was more entertained with this this season than I was the last one because the cool thing about this show is like East Mississippi, they've always been. Very good. They've always been able to recruit. Buddy Stevens, like him or not, he's always been a really good coach. They've always had successful seasons. You're talking about a, a program at Independence that didn't have – I mean, they, they won or lost 20 games in a row before Jason Brown got there. They were the doormat of the Jayhawk Conference. They hadn't won a conference championship in 30 years. And not to be a spoiler, but I mean, but you can look up on Google how they did last year and – it, it's amazing the transformation that they had, and there was a few players that they had. I was like, man, well, don't you should you should have TCU should have recruited them, um, but the uh, don't no. spoil it. I want to. I want to. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. But the, it, the first episode for Frog fans, uh, and I mentioned it on the board, they play Iowa Western, and you can see Anthony McKinney in there a few times, uh, just just plowing some guys. I mean, he's just mammoth. What's the situation? On the uh, sexy academic advisor, it's, she's that, that's not happening on this one. There, there's, there's no replica character. I'm not watching then. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. There's that's going to be a long time before anything like that happens again with with Wagner because, yes, that I mean. You could tell while those players, you, her you, know, you could tell off, while those though. players were hanging out in her office, it didn't have nothing to do with academics. They wanted, they wanted to be. Her. Thank God it wasn't Baylor. Oh gosh, yeah, no, <laughs> get, no doubt. But the, the, the no funny, doubt. Th- the funny thing is, but they, they do have, they do have some good mentors in the, uh, uh, in the academics. So it, it's kind of like they don't have like yeah. an academic advisor, but there's some professors that. You know they lean on and and I, I like I liked her uh, I can't remember the, her her name but she's uh, I, I liked her a lot and uh, she she really looks out oh yeah, yeah the English, English, English yeah. professor she seems yeah. pretty sharp I'm looking forward to seeing her story unfold yep well if you haven't watched it yet get on Netflix watch Last Chance You it's gonna it's gonna fill some time here in what is clearly the 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 dormant season for sports so all we got is all we got is baseball. Well, Jeremy, you've been writing a, a daily article for for the last for about over a week now, where you're counting down the the top 22 players on TCU's roster going into this season, and it's it's generated a lot of generated some fire on the board. You're posting it on Twitter, you're putting it on Hornfrog Blitz. If you're not a member, you should be. Uh, you caught a little heat today. Let's just go straight to the art. Let's just go straight to the core here. Where do you have Nico Small? Why do you have him there? 
And what do you say to all of the Frog fans that were pushing back on how highly rated you had what, what is a four-year starter, three-and-a-half-year yeah. starter? He started half of 2015. Tell us a little bit about where you got, why you got Nico there, and we're, then we're going to bounce around a little bit and give everybody a chance to First to of all, this, it, it's not easy naming the top 22 players. I mean, it, there, there's really – once you get into the top 10, which I've done, it, it, it's, it's hard. Getting into the top five, it's, it, it's even harder. I like. I still may make some changes. I, I I put Nico at thirteen because I I understand he's a small guy. People are gonna people are gonna doubt him because he's small. He's not the standard six foot, one hundred ninety pounds safety or even two hundred pounds. He's gonna get bowled over by Oklahoma running backs. Well, guess what? That whole dang defense got bowled over by Oklahoma running backs. You know why I know they got bowled over? Yeah, and you know Baker why I know they got bowled over by big running backs because. Every time I ask, "Hey, what type of running backs uh, you hear the coaches are looking for?" Uh, they're looking like they're looking for backs like Oklahoma has. Okay, so it's not just not just Nico Small. I mean, but and I and I understand. Yeah, he got beat. He he read deep passes wrong a few times. But there's there's a reason why he's started 23 games the past two years. He's a smart guy, and I've told people this, and for whatever reason. The anyone that's been a fan of Gary Patterson for the last 21 years since he's been at TCU, even starting out as a defensive coordinator and the 18, he's going into his 18th year now. He's going to put the smart players out there. He's and it doesn't matter if you're Jeff Hooker or uh, Michael Downing, the guys that are walk-ons that are beating out scholarship players. If they're making smart decisions, he's going to put them out there on the field. The thing with Nico is. He's not only smart, but he's athletic. Nico's a four-four-two guy. He's a fast kid. He's one of the faster kids. He's within the top ten fastest on the team. I don't think a lot of people know that, but that's that's how fast he is. And he's strong. He's very strong. If you go look at the uh, the weightlifting numbers, he's he's among the top uh, secondary guys, defensive backs, as far as the, the weight totals. the The thing that just set just stands out to me above all is you got to have trust on the defense. If Nico Small was not your starting free safety this year, TCU's defense would be in trouble. Plain and simple. That's not my only that's that's just not me talking. Okay? By now you guys know that are listening know that I probably talked to some pretty important people. That's not just my opinion. It's 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 a program-wide opinion. If if Nico's not out there, there's going to be trouble on defense. He's making the calls for the entire secondary. Okay, he's 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 going into his third year, and I know people are going to say, "Well, he shouldn't be ranked as high as he should." Yeah, honestly, he should. You got the quarterback of your defense out there. Yeah, he probably should be ranked higher. But I put him at 13 because, like a lot of you guys, I remember the missed tackles. I remember the misreads on vertical routes, but also understand that he's been a pretty good playmaker. He's the third third leading returning tackler this year for the team. And so when you have six starters returning on defense and he's the third, uh, has third most tackles, he's doing something right. And he's, he's calling out, he's calling out the secondary coverages. By the way, do y'all know what uh, TCU's uh, past defense ranked last year in the big 12? Number one. Number one. So Number if one. you think about that, you have a guy that was the, 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 the player that's calling out the defensive coverage is making sure he's lined up right. 
The weak safety's lined up right. The strong safety's lined up right. The corners know what coverage they have, both corners. And you're making those calls. Your third uh, leading returning tackler, your secondary gives up the least amount of passing yards in the Big 12, the pass-happy Big 12, by the way. I think 13's a pretty dang good spot for him to be. Passionate defense of Nico Small. I, I tend to agree as well. I might have had him at like 17 or 18, but uh, if the Frogs are going to win the Big 12 or compete in the Big 12, he better be near the top 10 and not at the back end yeah. of the top 20. Now, so. athletically, Jeff, a, I can understand where people are. Uh, athletically, he would probably be an 18 or 19 guy. But as I've mentioned in every story that I've done, it's not just about how athletic you are. And it, I'm looking at the athleticism, the experience, and how important the impact of you being on that field is going to be. Nico's impact being at free safety is going to be vital for TCU's defense this year, period. I tend to agree. You know, I've been uh, watching this every morning when you post the the top 22 and in some ways kind of predicting it. And like a lot of people on the board, and maybe if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're trying to come up with your own top 10. Uh, Daniel, if you had to come up with your own top three of who are the three best players on this team going into 2018, who, who do you have in your top three and, and why do you have them there? Uh, putting me on the spot. I didn't put you on the spot. I told you I was going to ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> it's called just hung up. playing it up for radio or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. All right, let's back up. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Daniel, I want to put you on the spot. I, Who are your three top players? I don't have a particular order <laughs> because that's because basically they're all tied. I'm going to have to go with Ross Blacklock, uh, Darius Anderson, and probably Ben Banigou. Those are good picks. Ross Blacklock. Yeah. Ross Blacklock. Uh, Ben Banigou, and who's the other Anderson. one? Anderson. Anderson. That's a, that's a pretty salty top three. That's a pretty salty top three. I would probably go Jalen Rager number one because we probably need him to get 1,500, 1,600 yards mm-hmm. receiving to, to, to have a good year. Probably Rager, Blacklock, and then I'm going to go Ty Summers because yeah. th- this is going to play into what, what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. He was – over 2000 in terms of where he was ranked. He was, he was an actual two star. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a four-year starter for Gary Patterson. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Ty Summers, number three, because you, when you have a smart linebacker and I, I watch his videos on Twitter. I don't think the guy's got a neck left. I mean, he just looks like an absolute beast in terms of what he's done in the weight room, five years in the program. I think if he has one of those seasons that puts him in the top three on this team, I think that speaks well for the defense and obviously is going to speak well for the rest of the team. So Jeremy, you don't have to tell us who your, uh, who your top three are. Cause we obviously want to keep, keep reading every morning, but uh, what made it so tough is you kind of focused in on who your top three or four are going to be. Well, the, the top, there's really four spots, four spots that I've, like I mentioned earlier, I, I still may switch them. I, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I know, I know who the top four guys are. And what makes it so hard to me is because I think all four of those guys have the potential to be first round picks and at worst second round picks. And I think pretty much, I oh. think pretty much everyone can predict based off that who those guys will be. But, 
man, I'm telling you right now, it, the, the number five was pretty hard for me too. But number five is, it, I don't think they're going to be the top of player that these four are going to be for TCU this year. Plus, beyond the T, the TCU career being uh, or having a chance to be selected in the first or second round of the NFL draft. So that's the, just looking at those things. It, it was really tough to figure out the top four. And like I said, I, I may switch it again. I may like be like Coach P and say I'm going to take 23 kids this class and end up with 25. You know, it always changes. Okay. I'm really interested to see where Sean Robinson lands on your list because I think he's got to be a top. 10 player for us to, to win 10 games. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we've talked about Sean a lot on this episode, but I'm, I'm quietly confident, not the least of which is how he carries himself, that he is going to, he is going to have a steady year because he's got all those weapons. He's got Sonny Cumbie in his second year of calling plays, which I mentioned this on the board. I think is going to be a big leap for him to be able to have, have a second season under his belt. First season, he won 11 games. So that's a pretty good leap that he, I mean, it's going to be a massive leap if he takes that in terms of how far up the rankings that could push the frogs. But I think Sean Robinson's going to have a good year. He's not going to be in the top five on your list, but I, I hope he is next year. <laughs> I think he's going to have a year that's going to, going to do well. So I will say this about Sean, if I didn't mention it from the media days is he, he just, he carried himself so well. He, he pretty much supplanted himself as being that guy. If it, like you said, Jeff, he, if he does have the top of season, a lot of people think he can have and hope he can have, he easily is the face of the program next year. I mean, people are going oh. to be wanting Sean Robinson 24 seven. I mean, they, he's, he's just that kind of individual. He just has that glow about him and it was Absolutely. just so, so cool to see him just react the way he did. And if he's, if he's anywhere close to being as calm as he was on Monday out on the field uh, in a few weeks and, and season gets started on Saturdays this year, then TC is going to be just fine on offense. If he has a great season or if he beats Oklahoma or beats Ohio state the bookstore is going to be uh, full of his replica jersey without his name, of course, and his name, he won't get a dollar for it, but Sean Robinson jerseys are going to become just as uh, it's going to look like 2010 when every 10 year old was walking around town with an Andy Dalton jersey. That's what I think is going to happen. So if, if he's able to pull that off, well, switching gears here real quick, a couple of housekeeping things I wanted to share with you. One, if you're not following the show on Twitter or on Facebook or on iTunes, please subscribe. You can follow along and the, if you subscribe to us on your on your podcast app of choice, that new show will automatically download as soon as the next one uh, drops. We're moving towards where we're going to be doing one, maybe two a week as the season about, is about to fire up. So go give us a rating. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app. We'd really, really appreciate that. And second, when the season starts, we're going to start doing some, um, some simple ads. It's not going to be five minutes of Blue Apron and ZipRecruiter. But we got some simple DFW ads that are going to show. And if you are interested, if you have a business, small business in DFW, please drop me a, a message. We have very reasonable rates that you can get the word out. We got really solid numbers. We'd love to talk to you about that stuff offline. But if you're interested in advertising your small business on Frogcast, we'd love to have you. We will not bombard you with ads. I promise you that. But it'll give you a chance to, to hear, hear some about some good businesses and support some frog fans that are working hard to, to make ends meet. If you're interested in that, please, please reach out to me, and I can get you some info, and we can make that happen. We already got one, almost two ads signed up, so we'll have more to that to come. So if you're interested in that, please let me know. Jeremy, we're moving towards the last camp of the, of the season here next week. Uh, 
tell us a little bit about maybe some recruits that are going to be on campus, anything you can expect in that last uh, uh, kind of recruiting venue on campus where they get, you know, hopefully get some of these guys to, to come see the, come see the campus. And are the Newton three going to be there? Because I've heard Arkansas is fighting and I heard Texas is trying to sneak in here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, as far as I know, they're still going to be there. And I've been reporting on that for a long time, even before um, even this stuff with Arkansas started to come down. That was kind of already set in stone with, with those guys a while back. And it doesn't surprise me that they're going to start looking at uh, someone like Barlow because I think he's a running back that uh, it definitely would, would be a, a good fit for any program out there, whether it's TCU, Texas, or anyone that's rec- uh, recruiting him right now just c- because he's a he's a great running back um tamazi a brown is is another one that's just a, a really good athlete and if you don't know and i have missed me posting about it or saying anything about it uh tamazi a is is actually being recruited to tcu as a receiver and so if, if they lock him up then i think with him and kennedy lewis that's going to be a, a very very athletic and, and talented receiving duo that the frogs are able to sign or, you know, get committed for now and then hopefully sign in December. But um, the plan is for those guys to still come up. I don't think there's going to be any kind of public commitment or, or anything like that. If, if there is, I would be kind of surprised by it. And if there was one of the three that I think would commit, it would be Josh Foster um, because he's kind of been, I've been hearing that he's been leaning toward TCU for a while now, but um, I, I think those guys are going to be up there. And the good news with, with those guys, if indeed they do make it, there's going to be a, a lot of TCU commits there. This is the camp that the TCU coaches talked and said, we need to we need to get a camp to where we can see all of our commitments up here. We want to see them in a camp setting. We want to see them work out. And this is the this is the camp that they're going to do it. Max Duggan's going to come down from Iowa. Uh, I think Carter Johnson's going to come back. I'm, I'm not 100% on that, but he did tell me when I saw him in June that he was going to come back down here. So that's pretty important. You know, those guys coming all the way from Iowa and Ohio to, to make a camp. And hopefully Myron Warren gets in because I haven't seen him up close. So I'm really excited to see him because I know they're excited uh, to have him committed. He's, he's a really good defensive prospect out of Louisiana. Uh, that I think uh, he, he just got a, a recent recruiting bump. So he's starting to get his film out there a little bit more where people get more eyes on it and, and see what kind of talent he is. But for now, I think most of those uh, guys are going to be in. Uh, a couple good 2020 kids will be on campus. Ken Seals is going to be there. Uh, he's had a great summer, picked up some offers, went to the Prime 21 camp last week, was only four quarterbacks there, and he was the best one. And, and what's funny about that is, Brendan Lewis, who is another 2020 kid that TCU has actually offered already, was there, and, and I posted on the board that it was fun to, to have a chance to see those guys because they worked side. It was it was like them pairing with each other at a golf tournament because they were no matter what drill they did, that those two were always side by side. And Deion Sanders kid and and uh, TJ Finley, another 2020 kid that's committed to LSU were side by side in every drill that they did. So it was it was real good to have a chance to see and compare the arm strength. They don't do any testing at that camp, um, but uh, as far as 40s and, and shuttles, and anything, it's, it's just pure. You're throwing, and you're you're throwing one-on-ones. You're throwing playing seven-on-seven, seven, doing all that stuff. But Ken, Ken looked really good at that camp, and I'm not going to say he's going to get an offer from TCU because they've been very upfront with him throughout this whole process and, and, and telling him that they really want to see some some game film 
some varsity game film uh, before they do anything. And, uh, and that's something that they appreciate because they're really one of the free, few programs that have told told them that and really been honest uh, with how they're recruiting. There's some schools that I'm not going to mention that have told them he's the top guy on their list. And the next thing you know, they're offering another kid an hour later from the same class, which by the way, I've seen, and I've tried to scratch, I've just scratched my head and thought, how in the world are, is that program offering that kid when it just, you know, I, I do have some bias in me because I've known Ken since he was fifth grade, but I also evaluate pretty decent in my mind. I don't want to hold myself in such high regard, but when I'm watching kids play and then other media or recruiting analysts are, are watching the same kids and they're all saying the same thing, you kind you kind of, you know, you kind of come to a uh, conclusion that maybe this kid's better than this kid. And that's just kind of what they're seeing with this whole recruiting process that, that everyone has to go through now, but no, it, it should be a good camp. The same, same, uh, thing that they do always they're doing the uh the running backs with the uh linebackers and offense and defensive linemen in the morning session then of course that night session will feature the quarterbacks and the the receivers and the defensive backs so it should be a pretty good camp i'm excited to see it it's the last camp and you know just a few days less than a week after that camp the frogs are hitting fall camp august 2nd first day love it i know there'll be some availability on uh uh, right before practice starts, hopefully you'll be able to get there and fill in our listeners about what you were able to pick up and what they said and what you're able to read between the lines. So it's it's almost here. It is almost here. Anything else on on recruit? We got some recruiting questions. Anything else just on the recruiting front that maybe you want to elaborate on that you shared on the board or anything else? You can uh, break some news right here on the podcast. Anything uh, new on the recruiting front for our listeners? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have I don't have any breaking news tonight. I promise. Oh, the only breaking news I have is there's a five star out of California that said there's no way he's coming to Texas to a Texas school because it was so hot. <laughs> that's as, that's as simple as I can say. He had a he had a few uh, f bombs in there and everything. This was last week when it wasn't even 108 yet, so it, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to call the kid out, but he was from another state, and pretty highly rated kid. And he said, "There is no blanking way I'm coming to a blanking Texas school. It's too blanking hot down here." It was Man, so if, funny. We just cracked up. We just cracked up laughing at it. If I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, he'd, he'd fit in just fine. You know, if we, if I was a five-star recruit out west coast, there's no way in the world I'd come to Texas. <laughs> I'd, I'd go to, I'd go to USC or tough. Washington. USC or Washington. It's, it's really that simple. You can enjoy the LA life, or you can go win with Coach Peterson. But yeah, I, I, I don't fault that kid. I mean, I might not have dropped the f bombs, but I cannot fault that kid. <laughs> oh. Well, we, we, we had a tragedy on, on the board in the, in the TCU internet community. Purple Pain, also known as Gunner from the Killer Frogs board, uh, passed away this week. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about him. Obviously, a guy had some, had some sons that played for Coach Fran and Co- Coach Patterson, clearly connected to the program, clearly had um, some inside information and in, in, in some perspective that, that most of our listeners, most of the readers might not have. I just wanted to share a little bit about this and any stories you guys want to chime in with, I would love. But, you know, there, there's, a, there's a story that is, has grown almost to, to mythic tale that after Coach Fran left to go to Alabama, that there, there was this movement among the administration 
to hire. There were a couple other people. They didn't want to hire Coach Patterson right away. One of the names I know that they talked to was was Watson Brown, who was coaching mm-hmm. at UAB then, Max brother. Yeah. The other name that I know got a lot of traction was Phil Bennett. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people went and, and put some pressure on the university and said, look, we got the number one defense in the country. Why don't we just hire the, that guy that was running that top defense? And from what I understand, one of the people that actually did go and uh, put a little pressure on the university was, was Gunner, was Purple Pain. And this was, I think I got, I didn't know about TC. I didn't even know about message boards in 2000. And that is when I, I first got on, logged on to Killer Frogs. And uh, this was three or four morphs ago of, 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 of what Killer Frogs was. And I remember a guy named Gunner that was like, we got Coach Patterson. We're so glad to have him. He's going to take this program to heights that no one had ever seen. And this is in the middle of the 2001 season, his first full season, which I think most people will remember that it's worth forgetting. But he had such a perspective. And he was surly. He had great one-liners. But when he said something that was on point, you knew it was real. You knew he knew what he was talking about. You knew he was plugged in to Coach Patterson and his philosophy. So, uh, Jeremy, I know that you've uh, had some interaction with with Purple Pain. It's a loss to our board. It's a loss to the TCU yeah. Internet community, all these fans. Give us a little insight about what you know and and, and, and maybe celebrate his life a little bit. Well, I know, uh, you know, Payne's – he he's he's up and he's up in heaven watching over us and and just uh i'm i'm sure he loves all the comments that he's that he's getting to see uh everybody that cursed him is now celebrating him (laughs) oh yeah that's what's that's what's crazy you know he's he just had that that aura about him um and his his real name is keith keith mcgarahan and and uh i remember getting an email from this keith mcgarahan years ago uh telling me um, some inside information and I just, I, I, I wanted to see if I could figure out who it was. And it, this was the purple menace days and he finally admitted to me who he was. And so that, at that point I, I kind of, I, I started to trust what he said and the thing, the things that he would tell me, some were true, some were not true, but what I always respected about him is he would reach out to me and, and just kind of, not really try to get me to to have the credit, but just he would he would test the waters before just and like today or you know just the the recruiting boards today when when people start hearing about the Omar Manning stuff or or the other players that are gone, most people will go to those port, uh, those uh, boards that they post on and they'll just post the information. Hey, I'm hearing this and this. I'm hearing Omar Manning's gone. I liked about Keith is like, he would really, he would reach out and, Hey, I've heard this. Is this, is this true? And I always respected that about him. And, and we, we had some, we had some pretty heated battles back in the day too. When, when, you know, he's, he's, he's a football guy and Keith, Keith, I think, I think even his son, Scott would tell you, he wasn't real, a real big fan of uh, tr- uh, Trey, because he, we always gave, we always gave Keith a hard time, you know, surround me with the six foot three quarterbacks, please. Jesus, you know, <laughs> right. you know, I think annoying, annoying group of 20 made a funny sign uh, a few years ago. That, that was, it, it was funny, but and I think everyone remembers the nicknames for players that he gave. He gave Ed Wesley, the sprint darter um, nickname that I think everyone that follows the boards will remember. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever going to forget that, but you know, I, I, I think the thing that, I respected about him too, is that he, 
he always just just spoke what he was thinking. I mean, he topped it out. And whether it didn't make sense to some of us uh, or whether it just looked like a post that, man, he looks like this guy's a stinking coach somewhere. He, he just – he could talk circles around us all about the game of football. And I think uh, he brought a, a tremendous amount to the board. I mean – 14, 14 years, I think. Yeah. 14 years, uh, almost. And he just, man, you, you hate to hear stuff about it because it's like, it's like losing a, losing a friend. I mean, it is. He's, he's, when you get, when you do this business for so long, you, uh, you develop those uh, relationships with people. They matter. Absolutely. They matter. And I don't, shoot, I'm getting choked up and I never, I mean, we, we had zero conversations in person, but you know, when you, when you respect someone so much and you know that they respect you, it means a lot. And so that, that's, that's that's one thing when, when you have guys that are just coming you know, some of the younger guys, and I was stupid when I was, you know, 20 to 25. Hell, I'm stupid now still. But, and some, some, some people, some people, they don't, they don't, they don't fully understand the kind of people that you're really associating with on, on some of these keyboards sometimes, some of these, these forums and, and, and the people you talk to. But uh, Keith and I always had a, a, a great respect for each other. And I'm going to, I'm going to miss him, man, because I, I, I sit there and I made a post the other day that it, I, I can just see him just typing stuff up just to see what kind of rise he can get out of, uh, some of the members, because some of these guys, <laughs> they're, they're, they're young and they fall for anything, man. And some of the, some of us are old and we fall for us. I, I mean, I still fall for a lot too. I'm, I'm, I'm no different. Bless, yeah. Bless their heart. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you know what you go ahead. What, what you're saying is, is it's a great reminder actually, not to, not to do a sermon here, but behind every username, every avatar, every Facebook profile is, is a person. It's a story. It's, it's somebody that has family, has kids, has passion. You know, they, they get mad when the game doesn't go their way, but man, they've got, uh, they've got a life of substance that they're leading and um, behind every one of those uh, images online is, is a real person with hurts and hopes and struggles and uh, things that they're passionate about. And I, I think one of the, one of the beauties of sports when kept in its proper perspective is it does give cha- people a chance to really celebrate and grieve right. together. I mean, we've, we've been excited together online as frog fans about great moments. We, we have games we don't even want still, we still don't want to talk about. Yeah. And that's, that's the shared community that the internet brings that, um, you know, there's so much garbage on the internet. There's so much, uh, so much venom. And when you're able to kind of, uh, you know, laugh together, celebrate together, get, have some banter and back and forth and sucker people in with some stories, it's a, it's, it's, it's what life is about. And I think purple pain really summarized that. And is a, is a great example for all of us to, to live passionately and make the most of, of, of this outlet that we have of, of TCU football, keep it in its pr- proper perspective. But man, it's a, it's a great lifeline from the grind of life that a lot of people live. Oh yeah. So and there's, I, I, I've really, I've really benefited from it. No, I mean, and, and, and trust me, there's, there's a lot of people like that, that, 
I've developed those same kind of relationships over the years. And, and Jeremiah will tell you the same. It, we've done this so long that yeah. it, you can't help but become attached to some of these people. And you know, God, yeah. God forbid if something ever happened to you or Daniel, I'd probably, well, maybe not Daniel, but I mean, I would feel tremendous, <laughs> tremendous heartbreak. I'm just kidding, Daniel. I love you, buddy. Um, sure, but sure. no, I mean, I, <laughs> I've got to bring it back up now. I got too sorrowful there for a second. Um, but no, I mean, just, just hey, that's just, all right. Just, on, just, that's just real, honestly, real recognized. Yeah, just, just honestly, I mean, to Scott, man, if you're listening, man, we, we all feel the pain, man. Just, uh, we're praying for you, man, and I'm praying for you. And I just want you to know that, that I never met your dad in person, but man, he was, he has my respect. And I, I know he was a great dad to you guys and just know that he's going to be missed on our forum. Man, I choked up reading what, what Scott wrote about that. He's, he's sick and he's sitting there listening to the last podcast that we did. I yeah. Mean, that, that was that was like a reminder to me that yes we do that I do it for fun I do it because I live in Chicago and it keeps me connected in a deep way to the program but I there's some guy that's dying that's listening to what we what we talk about and it he's soaking it up that just uh, I want to be that guy you know I won't be doing this podcast when I'm old and I, I want I want some young buck to be bantering about recruiting and complaining about barbecue and you know hating Oklahoma or whoever we're in the conference with then that just uh, that really touched me hear that they really touched me um, daniel you've been on killer frogs for a long long time that's where we first met so i know you've seen him in 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 both of his his realities as purple pain as gunner you've been on the board for a while there what anything that you want to you want to take away or share or take you know, any takeaways that you have or that you want to share well, with us? I, I did i came along and, and gunner on killer frogs hadn't posted he, he wasn't posting a whole lot um and at least, and not, not that I could ever really um, put together a personality behind the name. <clears throat> and then Purple Pain, I had no idea it was the same guy until probably, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And, uh, you know, it's it stinks. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I didn't know him nearly as much. I'm, this is almost anticlimactic for me to talk less because I didn't know, uh, really know him too well but that thing about the podcast you were just mentioning that's that was really i thought it was neat but i I thought it was really um i guess special to be a part of somebody's you know life like that whether whether they're healthy or not if they're that into it that they're listening to it um when they're that you know sick and in their last days and that to be a part of that is is pretty pretty cool and it was uh, it was actually kind of a surprise when I read that because I don't think of it quite like you know we impact anyone that deeply or whatever because um, we just you know sit down and record and then off we go you know go about our way but um, you know people get into the show and they enjoy it and uh, and that's something to uh, to be happy about. You know, one of the people think of it as heartbreaking, but I look at it as a great gift. One of the one of the things I get to do in my job is is be there um, with people, with families, in 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 kind of their goodbye moments of when they're saying goodbye or when they're you know gathering to eat the potato salad in the church fellowship hall and say goodbye to their loved ones. And I, I hope that uh, Payne's family was able to 
let him know he's loved and let him be connected to the this football program that he cared about and this coach that he clearly thought a lot of. So that's that's my parting word to everybody. Find something in life that is essentially of no consequence and really soak it up because there's that's what life is about. You know, obviously there's there's other stuff that I'm passionate about, but find something that you can just stay connected to in a deep way that connects you to other people because you never know the impact that it will have. And that's that, that's my parting word for Payne and his family is just God bless you guys. And I'm glad that you were able to stay, find some strength in your final days through something like TCU football because it's uh, it's something that means a lot to a lot of us. So thank you. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. All right, we got a lot of questions here from our listeners. We're going to go rapid fire through these. I'm going to give Daniel some, give Jeremy some, and we'll see what kind of uh, response that we get. From Twitter, Will Brazer, who covers uh, University of Texas, has this question. Daniel, it's for you. You get Will, Will. I was on him and uh, I was on a show with him and Mike a couple Will's of years people. ago. They do a good job. Will, I really, Will's good I really people. like, I like Will. Will. Yeah, Will's really Will's a really good guy. He asked this question. Can't tell if it's sarcastic or not. I assume it's real. Daniel, what are the realistic chances that TCU wins the Big 12 championship, the national championship, and the Super Bowl? <laughs> so on a 1 to 10, what, what are the chances that we win the Big 12 championship? Um, pretty good. What were the numbers you just gave me? Between 1 and 10. 10 means lock it up. Arlington, we might as well not even have the game. We'll smoke Oklahoma for the second time. All right. Let's go with nine. Go with nine on that. What are the chances yeah. TCU wins a national championship between one and ten? Five. What are the chances the Frogs win the Super Bowl? Eleven. Eleven. Do the Frogs have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Cowboys? Uh, they probably have a better chance than the Browns. <laughs> Could Alabama beat the Browns? Probably, yeah. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> All right. I wrote Will back, and I told him we'll probably win the Grey Cup, which is the Canadian Super Bowl. Nice. So, uh, that'd be easy. Yeah, that yeah, that would be easy. Did you see that uh, – I can't remember the teams because I'm not familiar with the Canadian League. Johnny Manziel got waved and picked up, and whoever picked up Manziel cut Kenny Hill in order to pick up Johnny Manziel. So the A&M circle comes full circle right there. Poor Kenny. Oh, man. All right, Jeremy, how efficient? Uh, this comes from Boomtown. We got some cross, uh, cross-conference rivals reaching out to us here, podcasts from the Sooners. How efficient do you think, how efficient do you expect TCU's offense to be while breaking in the new quarterback this season? We touched on that with Robinson. What do you think about efficiency this season real quick? Uh, as long as you have a healthy Darius Anderson and, and Shaywo, uh, you'll be good because you have some guys to take the pressure off the passing game, and, but, you, but it starts up front. They've got to get tackles. They've got to protect Sean. If they can find an answer at tackle, um, whether it's Austin Myers, McKinney, or or uh, Lucas, man in the left tackle and right tackle, that, that you got to find an answer there. It, it all depends up front. You know, one of the things we forget where the frogs were so high in third down efficiency last year. That's going to be one of the one of the places where Sean's going to make his bones this season. It's that the frogs can be efficient on third down. Galen Morrison, one of my good friends on Twitter, really good guy out in East Texas, living out in Tyler. Uh, Daniel, this question's for you. Am I the only person concerned the new east side boxes might cause a sunlight reflection problem for the home team going late in an afternoon game? I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't either. I I hope I it I hope it impacts the people in the west side boxes, not the not the staff on the sideline. Hey, let me ask a question. 
Is that guy an engineer? He's an appraiser. He he appraises land. So he's out there. Uh, I know he does some uh, like civic engineering and, and appraisal. He does a good job. Because, no, that, he's I older mean, than I'm, I am. He's I'm asking older. that because that's a pretty smart question. I mean, it, typically only an engineer would really think of that. Yeah, he knows. We had to tweet tweet Donati to make sure that's covered in uh, in the architectural mm-hmm. plans. Okay. Well, I I'm gonna I'm gonna get on top of that as soon as we get off the show here because that's that's kind of important to me. I don't want the because they. They broke ground, but we still have time to fix things, <laughs> you know, glass angle wise. I will. I will make sure Donati gets that notification as soon as we get off the show. Uh, our buddy, knowing group of twenty, he's always got some good questions here. Uh, Ohio State line is thirteen and a half. Do you guys think that's realistic? Do the frogs cover that? Either one of you? Uh, cover. Yeah. They'll cover. I think so too. I think so, too. Any risk? He's got a couple more questions here. Any risk playing this game between a normally chippy SMU and Texas the next week? We really didn't have much say in when those games were. But uh, I don't see that as a problem. I mean, SMU, breaking in a new coach, we're not unfamiliar with what they do. I think TC's going to annihilate SMU this year. You don't have – I mean, I you have too. Ben Hicks, which is – He's a, he's no right quarterback, but you don't have Cortland Sutton, and you don't have uh, what's his face, the kid that uh, his name's escaping me, the little slot receiver they had last year that actually had more yeah. catches and yards than uh, Cortland did. Cortland did. I think he's still in a camp, so I don't I can't remember his name either. I shows you how much I keep up on SMU program. The team of DFW's team, SMU Mustangs. Uh, one other question from annoying group of twenty one. I've been thinking about. Do you think the new kickoff rule, what do you think about it, and how it will how will it potentially change strategies? If you don't know that rule, if you fair catch a kickoff um, between the goal line and the 24, you get the ball to 25. It's like a touchback. So I'm actually really curious as to what teams are going to do. Um, if, you're, if you're Sean Snyder, you're a good special teams coach in the Big 12, do you kick, do you kick it out at the back of the end zone, do you, and, and you got Cavante Turpin back there? Do you think that uh, TCU is going to tell Turpin to, to, to return it out of the end zone? Do you think everybody in between the goal line and the 24 is going to be told to just fair catch it and let it go? What do you think the impact of that new ch- rule change is going to have on um, on teams this season, guys? I think they're going to line drive it yeah, a I bunch so down the field. And yeah. also, think- If I'm Oklahoma, don't squib kick. That's just me. TCU has been – using that high angle kick the last few years where, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I can't remember who was, Jaden was really good at it. And even like, maybe I can't remember, maybe it was, no, I didn't even want to try the, it wasn't, maybe it might've been Bunce that was pretty good at it last year uh, that I, I think they can use, just speaking kickoff terms, I think they would do that return wise. If, if Turpin's catching the ball at the five, then they're going to let him run. I think I think the rule is oh, yeah. going to be if you're between the two and the goal line to to fair catch it. Yeah, fair catch because it. I think when you have a guy okay. like Turpin and Rager, if you catch the ball at the five, you're going to get 20 yards. You're going to you're going to get you're going to get the ball to the 25. I mean, with that speed and and I want to see. I just, I just felt like everyone's going to fair catch everything and just. Uh, you know, reduce sure. the risk of an injury, get you automatically guaranteed to, at the 25, and then eventually just 
get rid of kickoffs altogether. Okay, you can you can you can talk to your blue in the face about you need to fair catch this, you need to fair catch that. As when you're back there returning the ball, every one of those return specialists think they can take it back 98 yards for a touchdown. We how many time how many times oh, have yeah. we seen knuckleheads? field a punt inside the five yard line and, and try to run it back. You know, n- not just TCU. I'm just talking nationwide. I, I think it's still going to be there. There will be times this year that we're all going to sit there, whether it's in the press box at home, watching TV or in the stands, uh, just talking about three of us that we're going to say, why the heck did he not fair catch that kickoff? Mark my words. There will be yeah. at least five times that we'll all say that this year. You know, the funny thing is everybody's going to have a different strategy because there's no agreed upon best practice. So I'm really going to be interested to see what the numbers are. You know, a little sidebar here. You guys probably know I officiate high school football. And in the way a lot of it goes here in Chicago is you play the big game on Friday night. And then on Monday, they have the JV game from the two teams that played on Friday most of the time. And what they do in those games is they, you know, if you if you want to punt, it's a it's 35 yards from 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 where the ball is going to be snapped on fourth down. You take the punting game out just so they can get reps, and then they take the ball at the 25 on for a kickoff or the 30 or something like that. But you get late in the game, and you know you had a really chippy Friday night. These guys are like, hey, let's 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 maybe kick off here. If if I if I'm working with two coaches, I know I want to implement this. Tell me what you guys think. This is crazy because you're right, Daniel. It's it, the kickoff is going out of business. What if Rather than attempting an onside kick, which is what those guys want to do when they're trying to come back late, what if instead of an onside kick, you got the ball at the 50 and it was fourth and 10? And if you didn't get it, the other team got the ball at the 50. What do you think of that? Because I think that's the way the game's going. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can implement that this year. Or you could just put the ball right in the middle of the field and make players scramble <laughs> for it like in the XFL. Speaking yeah, of injuries. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, Jeff. <laughs> no, I've seen that bannered I mean, cause, around. Cause it, yeah, I've seen some people bring that up. I want to, I want to, I want to try it this year. I got a buddy of mine that coaches JV, and I'm going to do one of his games. I'm going to see if we can come up, see if we can try that. I mean, they're both low. They're both low Let's percentage plays. I, they are. Don't tell anybody at the IHSA I'm going to try that because it's outside of the rules, but we'll give it a shot. A <laughs> uh, couple more questions here real quick. Jeremy, you know the name Stephen Wright out of Ruston, Louisiana, offensive lineman, top 200 player. Reportedly, LSU is not going to – is maybe not going to have room for him. Do you know anything about the Frogs' interest in him? Who's the player? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Not not Stephen Wright. I read that wrong. Ray Parker. I'm sorry. Ray Parker, offensive lineman out of uh, Ruston, Louisiana. I, I, know you know he shows an off, I know he shows an offer on the profile, but honestly, I have not heard his name mentioned one time. And that's saying okay. something. I mean, typically, hey, just so you got, when I mention, you know, for you guys listening, when I mention names, it's because I'm I'm being told by someone that these are the guys that TCU's looking at. Now, there are some times I don't know about a player, and I find out later. But um, I, I honestly haven't heard of Ray Parker. Uh, I, I, I know who Ray, I know who Ray Parker heard, is. I don't know. I know I, Ray I Parker Jr. Yeah. I was just gonna say, didn't he do uh, Ghostbusters? Yeah. I I haven't heard I haven't heard of uh, any interest from TCU looking at the kid from Ruston or the guy that played in Ghostbusters. Okay, he did have a good song, man. That's like Vanilla Ice, one hit wonder. You can camp out on. Do you know what the royalties have to be off that for him? Every Halloween, oh man. yeah, crazy. <laughs> Every Halloween, 
Thanksgiving, he gets a nice five-figure check, six-figure check maybe. Good for him. TCU's chances with uh, Jalen Catalan. I know this one's going all the way until the February signing day. Any update? Because we're going to hear about this literally every time we ask for questions, Jeremy. I think it goes. I mean, TCU's going to be in the final three till the very end. I mean, if he has a, if he has okay. a, if he has one of those hat ceremonies, TCU's hat's going to be on the table. Texas, TCU, Clemson. Is that right? Uh, I would say Texas, TCU, and Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I think that exhausts the the questions that we had. And I had another one about temperatures. We kicked that one around. Special teams. We talked about that. Want to make sure everybody's question gets heard. Uh, I think I think we kind of covered it there. Oh, I did mention a name that you didn't seem to respond to. Stephen Wright. I don't, I've never heard of him. Any uh, anything on Stephen Wright of when he said he's he's committing? He had a great career in the eighties. <laughs> you talking about Stephon Parker Wright? Jr.? <laughs> you talking about the California Stephon Wright? I don't know. Yes, yeah, Stephon TCU's Wright. in good shape I'm with sorry. him. He's gonna he's gonna make a like he's I gonna said, make a visit this fall. Like I said, I'm not. I wasn't keen on that, and I follow this stuff like crazy. Obviously, I need to catch up on how to pronounce these guys' names. Stephon Wright. I'll dig that up on 24 seven after I tweet uh, Jeremiah Donati about the the East Side <laughs> 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 reflectors. <laughs> oh man. Well, you guys got anything else for the good of the cause? We've gone over an hour here now. Any any updates on uh, barbecue? On anybody smoking meat when it's 110? Anybody got any life goals that they want to share? Any sin they want to confess? I'm good. I went to church this morning. I think I confessed all my sins already. Good. I slept till 11. I went to church. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go to South Hills Baptist Church this morning? I did not, no. <laughs> I I went to church this morning. I had a pretty good sermon. It wasn't too bad. Wasn't and, too bad. Uh, aren't you supposed to go? Like, just, oh, for part of the yeah, job. Yeah, part. I guess yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's true. I guess they, I guess they would have been in. Tr- they might have liked it more if I didn't come. Who knows? Maybe they would have appreciated <laughs> it. the the bap- The Baptists would not have beat us to Portillo's, which is um, Italian beef chain up here in Chicago. Down there, the joke is the Baptist beat you to Luby's when I get going. So I remember one time Good before God. the before our pastor's sermon started, he made a joke, but someone had actually passed him a note reminding him that the Cowboys kicked off at noon. Like, keep it short because we got to get home and watch the Cowboys. This isn't like '96 or something like that when it was when it was important. So <laughs> our our uh, that's our why you... lets us out at 11:30. Because he's, I was going to yeah. say that's why you don't have eleven o'clock service. Yep, we go from uh, we go from about ten twenty to about eleven thirty, sometimes eleven forty. But he does that. He does that so we can Ooh. meet the rest of the crowd for lunch. That's right. Yeah, I think we started at ten thirty back then, but it would it would depend on what all was happening on how long it lasted. So, yeah. That's why I don't let people do announcements much at our church because when people get an open mic and they want to let you know this, that the, the women's salad supper is happening this Tuesday and A through M bring a hot dish and M through Z bring a dessert and they take forever. But if your name's MC, you can bring whatever you want. I'm just like, give me back the microphone. <laughs> That's 20 years of church experience right there, people. <laughs> 
Well, as always, we appreciate you listening to the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, please go subscribe on iTunes. If you got any interest in ads, please let me know. We'll keep them lean. we got some good pricing. We'd love to have you on the show, let people know about your business. Until we get together again, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I am Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. Frogcast.